Welcome back to another episode of Blessed is She That Believe. This is season two, episode nine. <laughs> I titled this episode, at, at, no touching. <laughs> if any of you had a mama who was a firm believer of popping hands, like my mama, that is the sound mamas make when they get ready to pop that hand. At, at, you know, so, um, mm. <laughs> This one is gonna be um this one is gonna be good and it, it might hit home. It might hit home and your foot might get stepped on. I can't make any apologies, it's the word of God. So anyway, before we go into the word, like always, we're going to go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. So, dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for your sovereignty, your mercy, your your glory, Father God, that you revealing to us through your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this word that is going forth. Father God, use your servant. Give me your words, Father God, to speak into the hearts and minds of those who are listening. Father God, I just thank you right now for each and every listener. I thank you that you are keeping them and protecting them and providing for them, Father God. But more than that, that you have a relationship with them through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, if anyone does not know you through your son, I pray that their hearts are open to receive your word and that it grows in them to where they want nothing but a relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. So, um, yeah, you remember I'm talking about sin. You know, I'm, I'm dealing more so with sin this season. And um, I said on a previous episode, I can't remember if it was the last one or the one before then, but anyway, I know I said it on a previous episode. Basically, from what I have been seeing in all of this is that the root of sin, is, like the, the root form of sin is disobedience. Um, that's the umbrella that every sin falls under. And I mean, I could be wrong, but, you know, we, ha- we like to try to categorize stuff but I mean, sin is sin. However, I'm seeing a common theme that it traces back to disobedience. And I'm going to show you that today in the scripture. Um, we're coming from Second Samuel chapter 6. And what was happening is that David was bringing the Ark of God home. Okay. I don't know specifically where home was, but I believe it was the city of David where he was bringing the art. I could be wrong. Like I said, I'm not a Bible scholar. I just love to study the word. Um, so that's not the important, I mean, that's important, but that's not the most important thing about this account. So verse two, um, of second Samuel chapter six, it says, and David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. Verse three says, and they set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And as Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave the new cart. And verse four says, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God and Ahio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood even on harps and psalteries and timbrels and on cornets and on cymbals. Verse six. And when they came to Nachon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen shook it. 
Verse 7, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error. And there he died by the ark of God. Verse 8, And David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perezazah to this day. And verse 9, And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Verse 10, So David would not remove the ark of the Lord into him, into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed, Obed, Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Verse 11, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. So it's a lot. As always, I say it's a lot because it is. It's a lot here. Um, You may be wondering why I chose this, but hear me out, okay? If we're dealing with sin, we got to realize how serious God is about sin. He's not playing. He does. And see, like I said before, we try to categorize sin. Um, it's a scripture in the New Testament, and it's like I can see the verses. I just can't locate it. But I know one of one of the sins is disobedient appearance, and then it has a whole list of sins. But all the sins are just thrown in there like confetti because with God, sin is sin. It doesn't matter. It like we want to say it's a big sin or a little sin. No, sin is sin to God. There is no big or little sin. There's no white lie. It's a lie. <laughs> there, see, we even tried to um, quantify what a lie is. Is it a white lie? Because a white lie doesn't really hurt anybody. You know, Yeah, it's a, it's a sin. It's a sin. Lying is sinful. <laughs> so all these sins in that particular um, passage in the New Testament, I promise you, if you do a search and you look up disobedient appearance, it'll probably pull it up. It's like disobedient parents, murders, envies, jealousy, all of this stuff is starting there. Um, see, oh, if you hear any like melody or something, my my washer and dryer, they're, they're going, and when they end the cycle, they they sing a song. So if you hear that, that's my washing machine. I'm trying to do trying to do laundry. <laughs> so anyway, back to this. Um the sin is sin with God and we as humans because we're trying to understand the things of God in our own frail human mind which can never understand how God moves because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts so with that being said this particular account about disobedience because that was the root cause of all of this was disobedience this particular account it hits a little bit different for me because it's like, dog, all he was trying to do was help. But see, that's not. <sighs> okay, so let's break this down. They're transporting the Ark of God. Okay, the Ark of God has two cherubims and there's a mercy seat in between. Like, if you do some studying, listen, that'll bless your heart right there. So inside the Ark of God, of course, is the Ten Commandments, the tablets that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, okay? those are located so that is basically it's carrying a law of god like that it's nothing to play around with this is very serious now this week i felt led to start studying the book of numbers i never read the book of numbers in my life but it dawned on me the first chapter after going through all the lineages 
why they call it the book of numbers because you are literally counting everything out like everything is being counted the families are being counted the tribes are being counted the oxen the pigs the goats everything is being counted in this book so i said oh that's why they gave it the book of numbers now what i found particularly interesting is how the tribe of the levites how they came to be about because they weren't counted in the original count with everyone else they were counted separately the whole tribe was counted separately and within that tribe um, was made up of three different families but the um i don't know how to call it like i guess the head of the family the head of the households were brothers um so the levites the whole tribe the whole clan of the levites were counted separately from the rest of the the tribes like um tribe of benjamin and tribe of dan the tribe of joseph all of them were counted together but the levites were separated and god did it for a reason he said i'm separating them because i have sanctified them for myself and called them unto myself and that's interesting because levi was not the oldest of all of the brothers see the reason why you have the tribes of israel is because they came from israel not the country, but the man. Remember, Israel's name was changed from Jacob to Israel. Remember, Jacob was rolling around with the angel of the Lord, which was actually Jesus. That's another story for another day. It was a Christophany. So we'll talk about that later. So <laughs> Jacob was wrestling around. And so remember, Jacob is the twin that stole the brother um, Esau's birthright from their dad. You know, well, not from their dad, but he, he was in his place because Esau sold his um, birthright for a bowl of soup or porridge or whatever because he was so hungry he thought he was gonna die <sighs> so isaac was blind at that time so he didn't realize he was blessing the wrong twin so esau was mad and jacob ran off scared that esau was gonna kill him for stealing his birthright and jacob ran into and jacob's name literally means trickster um so be careful you want to name a child Jacob because I knew a Jacob. I went to school with a Jacob and um, he really, all he did was play jokes on people. He played pranks. <laughs> you Whatever you call your child, they're going to live up to that name. I, I guarantee you that. They're going to live up to that name. But anyway, another story for another day. Um, Jacob ran away because Esau was going to kill him. He, he, yeah, he was like, Esau going to kill me. I stole, I stole his birthright. So he ran into his uncle, um, now I can't think of the man's name. Anyway, he ran into his uncle, which was his mother's brother. He had two daughters. Laban? I think it was Laban. Yeah, Laban. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He had two daughters, Rachel and Leah. That's how I've heard it pronounced. It's, it's read Leah, but I've heard it pronounced Leah. Maybe that's just a southern thing, but it's Leah. So Rachel was very beautiful. He saw her fell in love. Like, that's the one I want. Give her me. Give me her. You know, and he... <laughs> See, as much as a skilled um, trickster as Jacob was, Laban, he had nothing on Laban. Laban duped this dude so hard. Like, you got to go read Genesis. Genesis is like the young and the restless, okay? I promise you. So, <sighs> Laban is like, okay, you can marry Rachel, but you got to work for me for seven years. And the Bible says those seven years were nothing but a day for him. That's how in love he was with Rachel. I don't know how Rachel looked, but they say she was pretty. Child, she must have been gorgeous for this man to feel like seven years of work for her daddy was nothing. 
but a day. Like, you know what I'm saying? So the time came for him to marry Rachel, right? Well, her older sister, Leah, the rules were that the oldest has to get married before the youngest. Now, Laban didn't disclose this information to Jacob first. Um, so yeah, the wedding night came and of course I get with their attire. They have on these heavy guarded veils where you can't see anything and they're really drunk. Like they partying, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're, I'm pretty sure they're toasty. Um, because that's part of their celebration. You know, they, they had wine back then cause that was the only thing they could drink. The water wasn't clean and purified. Like we claim it to be, but anyway, that's another story for another day. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So his wife comes to his room. They consummate the marriage. The next day he realized he was married to Leah. <laughs> he was married to Leah. Laban pulled one over him. So he's mad. He's like, how dare you? You know, why would you? Da, 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 da. So her father's like, well, what it look like if I give you my youngest before the oldest? That's crazy. So Jacob ended up working another seven years for Rachel. And after he married, you know, after the seven years, he, you know, got to have Rachel and everything like that. So whatever. When he got married to Rachel, it was like a competition between the sisters. Who can have the most babies? Because if you had the most babies back then, like you're blessed, you know, especially if you had sons. Well, Leah was popping out boys left and right. She popped them out, but it's very interesting of what the names that she gave these boys because the first two names, first three names, yeah, because Levi was the third. The first three names has something to do with trying to get this man's attention. Judah was the fourth son. Judah um, means praise, and that's what she says, like, now I shall praise the Lord. And, um, that was the only name that she gave that had nothing to do with trying to get her husband's attention. Now he, now he will, um, come to me. Now he will love me. Now he would do it. Judah was the only one that honored God. And that happens to be the lineage that Jesus comes from. That's the lineage of David. That's the lineage of Jesus. Like they came from the tribe of Judah. That's where we get the lion of Judah from. Okay. Now I had to give you all that background to lead up to this. So Levi was the third son of Israel or Jacob and Leah. Okay. He's the third son. So back then the oldest son is the one who gets the blessing, like the big blessing, like, you know, all that good stuff. This is what God does in numbers, the book of numbers. He separates the Levites from everybody else. And he said, this group of people, this tribe is, the tribe I have set apart from me. This is the chosen tribe, you know, and I'm reading this this week and I'm like, wow. And what God actually says, um, in number six, if you go back to number six, he actually says that, um, hold on one second. Do, do, do. I don't know why I just did do, 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 but I did it. And it's not number six. It's numbers. Hold on. I highlighted it. I'm trying to, I have my other websites pulled up on the Bible, but they're not for this. Okay. It's numbers three. I'm sorry, y'all. I was reading number six earlier. 
But Numbers 3 and verse 12, he says, And I, behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn that openeth the matrix or the womb among the children of Israel. Therefore, the Levites shall be mine, because all the firstborn are mine. For on the day that I smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, I hallowed unto me all the firstborn in Israel, both man and beast. Mine shall they be. I am the Lord. Like, if you had any questions about that, I'm the Lord. So do what I say. Then he says, um, in verse 45 of the same chapter, take the Levites instead of all the firstborn among the children of Israel and the cattle of the Levites instead of their cattle and the Levites shall be mine. I am the Lord. Like that's the stamp of approval. I'm the Lord. Okay. Um, so the Levites, he set apart from himself and you might be going, dog, why would God not take the firstborn, you know, the firstborn son's tribe? of Rachel, not Rachel, of Leah and, um, Israel or Jacob. Well, he says it right there. He preferred them over the rest of them. He wanted them set apart. Like, and not only that is the firstborn. Let me tell you something. I know a lot of people out here debating tithes and offerings and stuff. It's not even about money. God don't need our money. He doesn't, what he going to do with ten dollars up there in heaven go to the vending machine like i don't understand it's not about money it's about obedience it's about because he said it just like he said i am the lord who gonna argue with that oh we try to he said do something that's what he mean do and that's basic the basis of this <laughs> what we're gonna talk about today when he says to do something that's what he means do it like he's not going to waver on what he said he said what he said Literally, if there was anything that means I said what I said, it's the Lord saying what he said. So he, and see, this also goes back to you wondering how people can jump ahead. Oh, well, how they get that promotion? They didn't go to school for, God will move to the front, whoever he wants to move to the front. And he said what he said, and he does what he does. And there is no question about it. You may feel like you're not qualified for the position. You may feel like you're not qualified to do X, Y, and Z. You may feel like you don't deserve to get married. You may feel like whatever, whatever. God will move to the front, whoever he wants to. He is judged. He puts down one and sets up the other. And there we go. Boom. Now, here's the other thing. That was the Levites. You know what the Levites' job was? The Levites had the most important job. They had to take care of the temple of God. Everything that has to do with the temple, everything that has to do with the worship, that was their job. And within the Levites were three sets of families. Um, not three sets, but three different families. They, um, The heads of the households were brothers. So then... Here goes the Lord moving one brother ahead to the front, forefront. The family of Kohath, I'm, I'm thinking I'm saying it right. Um, Kohath, yeah. Take the sum of the sons of Kohath from among the sons of Levi after their families by the house of their fathers from 30 years old and upward even until 50 years old. All that enter into the host to do the work of, in the tabernacle of the congregation. This shall be the service of the sons of Kohath in the tabernacle of the congregation about the most holy things. And that is verse two of chapter four numbers chapter four so that brother's family his whole household grandsons great grandson the whole lineage of kohath they had to minister with the tabernacle like the in the intricate details of the temple Whew. it's a lot like i'm still studying this and working it out like i'm gonna have to draw a diagram and connect I, i'm telling y'all y'all need to study it. it's good 
So Kohath's family had to deal with the intricate details of all of that. Now, back to Uzzah. What does that have to do with Uzzah? Well, let me tell you. With Uzzah, Uzzah was driving. He was one of the people that drove the cart that the Ark of the Covenant was on. Here's the problem, though, because in Numbers chapter 7, remember, I said the family of Kohath, their job was to take care of every intricate detail of the temple, including the Ark of the Covenant, right? Now, there is a law, and I cannot remember. I couldn't find it, but I know it's in Numbers, and I probably just hadn't read it yet. Um, But I know there has to be a law because when you see it in second Samuel where it says um as a touch the cart it, because God was mad at him because he, um the anger of the Lord was kindled against us and God smote him for his error so there's a law because God wouldn't have killed him if there was no law broken but there was a law about touching the ark nobody was supposed to touch the ark nobody and there was even another law in the numbers in numbers chapter seven and verse nine it says but unto the sons of kohath he gave none speaking about the oxen and other things that he gave to the other two brothers families so or households so he didn't give anything to kohath because the service of the sanctuary belonged unto them that was that they should bear upon their shoulders they were actually supposed to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. If you look at, if you look up the picture of the Ark of the Covenant, you'll see the little things that you're supposed to carry. Y'all seen that stuff where people carry something or somebody on their shoulders. They had, they were supposed to carry it, physically carry it. So the Ark of the Covenant was not supposed to be on the cart. So there's the disobedience right there. I don't know who decided to carry it by cart. Maybe David was like, we ain't got time to be walking this thing. We ain't got time for people to um, switch out other people to carry it because they tired. Let's put it on the cart and save some time. Woo! Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's the problem with us. We're always trying to rush what God has told us to walk in. Mm. God told us to walk it out, but we trying to put, put stuff on a motorcycle or um, a ship. We trying to get it there faster. See, that's our problem. We're trying to rush through the process of something instead of taking our time and doing it God's way. Ah, talking to somebody. I'm talking to myself more than likely. I, I'm, ooh, I'm talking to myself. So, whew, <laughs> this is good. This is good. I told you it was going to be good. Like this, this is good. That's how, that's why. Not only... It wasn't, it wasn't Uzzah's fault. Like I, I wasn't there. I don't know. I'm gonna have, like I, I'm gonna have to go back and see why they put it on the cart instead of carrying it. Maybe David wanted to rush it. I'm pretty like, maybe he was so excited to get that Ark of the covenant into the city of David. Cause David loved, he loved the Lord. He loved the Lord so much. If you read, continue reading it, um, second Samuel chapter six, that when the Ark got to the city of David, he danced out his clothes, made his wife mad. That's another story about people who watch you praise and they get mad because you got a praise on your heart and they sitting there anyway that's mm, mm. but yeah he um danced out his clothes like david loved the lord he was a man after god's own heart um 
he worshiped, he was a worshiper. So he might've been just so excited, like, nah, let's just put it on the cart and go. But even with good intentions, you're still sinning. There are going to be a lot of people who go to hell and they had good intentions. There are going to be a lot of people who go to hell and probably are in hell and they've done a lot of good for this world. The Bible says, Jesus said the word, Jesus is the word. He said, no man comes to the father, but by me, you cannot have a relationship with God unless you go through Jesus. He is the door. <sighs> he is the door. He is the one that you have to go to, to get to God. You can't have a relationship with the father unless you have a relationship with the son. You can't, you can't, you cannot, you just can't. That's what the Bible says. And you may be sitting there going, well, that's not right. I can worship all, I can worship who you have. You know what? You actually have a right to choose whoever you want to worship. But as for me and my house, my dog included, we going to serve the Lord, the Lord of hosts, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, El Roy, uh, all the other names that he has. We going to serve him because we have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I have a relationship with Jesus. It's through the blood of Jesus that we are saved. The Bible even says, when you call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved. So I don't understand. It's very simple. It's as simple as ABCs. And they actually had the ABCs to accept Jesus. You can Google it. Um, that's, that's what you're supposed to do. That's what happens is you're supposed to choose Jesus and then you know, you have a relationship with the father. You have full access to the father. Once you have accepted his son as your Lord and savior. That's why the Bible declares that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We, we can, we have full access. Nothing is hidden from us anymore because we have a relationship with his son, Jesus. Jesus is the bridge between God and man. He is our mediator. Yeah. <sighs> If you don't have Jesus, I highly recommend that you you seek him for yourself. If you need anything, you need to email me. I mean, I could pray with you, but you're living in disobedience. By refusing the son, you live in disobedience. And that may be why your life is not the way you expect it. And even if your life is, you know, you could be rich. You could be a billionaire and everything. Have everything that you want, everything at your disposal, be in good health and everything. You know, the devil is going to let you continue to live that lie. <laughs> he is. He's going to paint it real pretty so that way you won't ever think you need Jesus. And there are a lot of good people. There are a lot of good people, people who don't do any wrong. They follow all the rules and they give to their communities and they, they spend time helping people and um, giving back but they're going to go to hell because they did not accept Jesus. And I, I don't, I mean, that's what the word says and people don't want to hear that, but you know what? Let me tell you something because where we are in history, there's a lot of false prophecies going on. There are a lot of false teachers, false, um, preachers. And it's like, no one wants to preach the truth anymore because we don't want to hurt people's feelings. I'd rather hurt your feelings and you know the truth 
than to tell you a sweet lie and you burn for eternity because you thought you were where you were supposed to be. You thought that everything was fine. I would rather you be mad at me, but at least you heard the truth than to, oh, she's a nice person. I love her. I don't have a lot of friends. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I probably can count on one hand how many friends I have. Probably a couple of fingers. I, don't, I probably wouldn't even need that whole hand. I don't have friends like that. The Lord separated me from the people who couldn't come with me into this next season I'm about, about to enter for various reasons. And that's fine because you want to know why? When you are walking according to the way the Lord has you walking, everybody can't hang around you like that. If you have a lot of friends, if you have a lot of friends and you are, you're supposed to be a follower of Christ, there's something wrong there. Because how you hadn't offended nobody yet. And I'm not talking about purposely offending people. It's just that when you speak the word, that sin gets offended. The sin that's in people's lives, the sin that they're involved in, that, that gets offended. That's why nobody wants to talk about um, homosexuality and lesbianism or um, pedophilia or whatever like that. Like people are trying to cover this stuff up. And it's not that I'm purposely singling those particular sins out to victimize people. No, I'm singling them out because those are like the hot topic, hot button issues and stuff. I mean, we talk about adultery, fornication, any other, <laughs> um, being an alcoholic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like it's sin is sin in the eyes of God. Sin is sin in the eyes of God. That. <laughs> So my point is, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're going to go to hell, point blank, period. Not just have a relationship with him. Oh, I love Jesus because you can still be in your sin and go to church. And I don't know how many of you realize that, but yeah, you can legit be in your sin and go to church because that's how I used to be playing church, fornicating, playing church. Like, <laughs> and as hard as my pastor be preaching, Man, I was like, I ain't hearing all this. <laughs> like, who does that? Like, I am scared now at this point. It's like, I don't want to mess up at all. And I, I'm sitting here like, and the thing is, you mess up. You're going to mess up because you're human. You may not mess up in that particular area, but you're going to mess up somewhere else. You can try so hard not to mess up in that area. You end up telling a lie. Doggone it. Now you done messed up. See, and that's the thing with the Ten Commandments. The religion has taught us okay, when you get saved, then you can't have fun. You can't go to the movies. You can't do any of this stuff because if you do, you're going to hell. No, that is a lie. That's religion. That's being in bondage. No, 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 no. If you are in Christ, he has made you free. You are free indeed. I go to the movies. I just don't go as much because the prices are astronomical. I really just go there for the nachos and the slushies, to be honest. And maybe some Sour Patch Kids. It depends on what day it is. But definitely the nachos and the slushy. <laughs> I go to the movies. Now, I pay attention to what I'm watching. <laughs> I'm not going to go see a horror film because I just don't like being scared. And I'm not going to go watch movies that have a bunch of sex in it. <laughs> I try not to watch any of them that have sex in it. Why would I do that? That's then going to start messing with my head. Then I'm going to start having thoughts. And if you read, when lust conceives, it brings forth sin. So there we go. Why would I put myself in this situation? The Bible says to avoid the very appearance of evil. So what I have inferred when religious people say, don't go there because you're going to get in sin. 
No, what it is is somebody told you not to do it because they did it and they fell in sin. So they just made a law that nobody need to go to the movie theaters because they're going to fall in sin. That, that's not right. You're holding people in bondage. Stop it. Okay. Now, disobedience, like I said, it seems to be the umbrella where all the other sins fall under because we have our Ten Commandments, which says do not kill. And people think like do not kill, do not murder is like a physical. It is physical. But you do realize you murder people with your words too, right? With gossip. Okay, we'll leave that alone. All right, we don't want to talk about that. Okay, so if you talk about anybody in a negative light, you are killing them. So you committed murder too. And I just want you to know that. So you may be wanting to be careful what you say. And I was a gossiper. I was. And I, I'm not ashamed to admit that because it's all under the blood of Jesus. I am saved and, and delivered. Praise God. He's in the process of delivering, I'll say. So, yeah. It Listen, you will kill people with your mouth. Get your mouth off of people. And don't be talking about the man and woman of God. Ugh. If you feel like they have done you an injustice, go to another church. That's a different story. Anyway, let me get back on track here. <sighs> that was a lot. So, they were supposed to be carrying the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. It did not say put it on the cart. And I'm going to show you that even David acknowledged that. Because, let me see. I highlighted it. Hold on. Okay. In Second Chronicles chapter 7. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Not check, not chapter seven. Oh goodness, where did I go? I meant to go to Second Samuel, chapter seven. That's why I couldn't find anything. I was in the wrong book. Oh Lord, y'all, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just all over the place. Um. Now I can't find where I saw it. Anyway, David said that only the Levites can touch the, um, only the Levites could transport the ark. And I'm trying to locate it. I lost it. I had it highlighted. Um, give me a second. I'm going to find it. But anyway, David acknowledged that. He said only the house um of levi shall transport the ark shall have anything to do with the ark it's just gonna be them nobody else and um i was like okay so that right there shows me david had to go back and acknowledge okay nobody touching now uzzah was a part of the house of levi um he was a levite he and a heel they were levites but the thing is, Uzzah still couldn't touch it because that's not the, this is what, this is what the Ark of the Covenant, it was like a box. It was, and it was huge. It was, um, rectangular in the center. Cause that was where the mercy seat was, where the 10 commandments were. But the, I don't know what to call them. They're not, they're, they're like, I don't want to call them sticks, but 
rods. I'll say they're rods. They were sticking out. It was two rods parallel to one another running on the opposite one on either side of the of the rectangular box thing okay so those rods extended so basically you had one two in the back three four in the front base it's supposed to be four men carrying that thing on their shoulders okay and they would never touch the center where the where the ten commandments are base that's how it's supposed to be nobody would touch the center you pick it up and you carry it and they had to even be right like if you go back and read numbers it there are so many rules they had to follow there's so much there's so many details with the tabernacle and where stuff is supposed to be placed and everything like that so many details because god is not playing with us and not neither is that but he want he's like you couldn't even go into the inner court or the whole you definitely couldn't go into the holy of holies unless you have been purified of your sin or you drop dead on on site you gonna drop dead the priests had to wear on their robes they had to wear bells they had they had bells sewn into their priestly robes so that way if one of them dropped dead after because they were supposed to go to holy of holies and do the saint the do the ceremony sprinkling of the blood and stuff and um pray for the people to absolve them of their sins and if the priest wasn't right they would die so it's like wait a minute um what in the world and so if the bell stopped ringing if they so in essence you're moving around in there you're going to hear the bells if the bell stopped ringing then they no, they, they died and so the people who were standing on the outside then they had oh they also had it was a scarlet rope that was around the, and see that the whole that's oh man it's scarlet rope around their waist so if they dropped dead they could pull them out because they couldn't go in to get them because then they dropped dead so it was it was a lot but here's the thing that i think about all of that detail and we have the liberty, the freedom to just walk up in the house of God in any kind of way we want to right now. Like, <laughs> they couldn't go into the house of God like that. They had to be right. And we have the audacity to walk up. <sighs> I mean, I know the Bible said we can come boldly to the throne of grace, but really? Straight from the club, we come into, and, and a lot of people will make it, oh, well, at least they come to church. But, you know, yes and no. Like, you right, but it's still wrong at the same time. You could be right about something and still be wrong, just to let y'all know. You could be right about something and still be wrong. You can't. Because how you come, you smell like cigarette smoke. You smell like you've been drinking, you washed in alcohol, you washed in Everclear or something. Like, why Why are you? Why would you want to come to how? And it's one thing if you your circumstances or whatever and whatever but if you have a nine to five and you have your own place and stuff like that you're doing well for yourself why would you just come straight from the club like i'm not judging anything because i did that that that's why i'm saying it's like i did it but i was ignorant i was dumb i was in in college you know it's like have some respect this is his train fills the temple. 
then we sit here and wonder why God is not moving like he used to when we gather together. It's because we coming in here not just physically messed up, like as far as coming from the club, for for example. We coming in here with lust in our heart. We're coming in here with hatred in our heart towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. We coming in here with gossip in our heart. We coming in here um, with all this other junk. So no, he's not going to move like we expected him to move. Then we sit here looking like the doggone priests who were going up against Elijah trying to pray God out of heaven to move. He shows up should if he wants to. And I tell you right now, if you go into church and you have all that crap on you, all those things that you need, to, those weights that does so easily beset you, you need to like get... You don't start getting ready for church at church. You start preparing to go into service, into worship. To you, y'all know what? Like, this is so. <laughs> but I do the soundboard and everything like that at my church, right? And the Lord started convicting me about how I was approaching my ministry. He started convicting me. So, literally, you could consider me. A Levite in today's um according to today's time and stuff like that because when I get to church only the deacons are there I am basically in the sanctuary by myself and the Lord had to grow me up fast within this past year because for the longest time <laughs> for the longest time y'all I couldn't stand my ministry I really couldn't I hated it because it was like I don't get a chance to go out of town. I don't get a chance to just sit and worship or just sit and take in the word. I'm always back there doing stuff. I'm always back there. I never get a time to just sit. And, a, and this might split the crowd. Some people are like, well, that's your ministry. You know, it's my ministry, but I'm still human. I'm still human. You know, it's like I'm expected to do all of this stuff all the time. And I hated it. I hated it when I was in college. I was driving home on the weekends. My college was like an hour and a half away. Driving home on the weekends to do this, to go back to school. And it's like, so I eventually stopped coming because in my mind, I was like, I'm going to be in church for the rest of my life. I'm going to enjoy my time not having to be there. And that's what I did. But I still had to put the PowerPoints together for praise and worship. I still had to do stuff uh, online to sin. So they would, and I'm like, this is crazy. Well, it wasn't until maybe, what am I, 37? Maybe when I was 33, I started really getting it. it. And I mean, I have been in this ministry since I was 12. Okay. Like I told y'all, I'm an honorary PK. I grew up in church and it wasn't until I was about 33 years old when I started to really understand what I was doing. And you may be like, dog, you yes, I was. I was very slow in this. Like I was very um rebellious and hard-headed because I did not want to do this. It's like, why did God call me to do this? Like, this is not something I want to do. I don't want to do it. But you know what? God doesn't care about what we want to do or what we He doesn't care about that because He put a call on your life to do something. And when He did that. 
when I started realizing the weight of my ministry, because my pastor always told me the pulpit ministry reflects the music ministry and vice versa. They're two and the same. They're one and the same. And he said, whatever y'all got going on back there, physically and spiritually, it affects the pulpit ministry. It affects what's going on up here. And that affects the heart of the people. And I've heard him say that all the time. But when he really said, I was like, and when I really grasped it, I grasped that, I was like, wow, I see it now. And so I love it because it's like the Lord uses me to minister to people. And um, throughout the years, even when I wasn't, even when I hated doing it, people would come up to me throughout the years, part of our congregation and go, thank you so much for being obedient to the Lord with the call on your life. Thank you for the way you minister back here. Appreciate it. And, um, you know, when I was younger and I, I didn't care, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Now it's like, thank you, Lord, for using me. Thank you, Lord, for allowing me to be obedient to what you call me to be. And there are some of you out there who feel the same way about whatever it is that you're doing, whatever the situation is. But God is going to get the glory no matter what. And I just want you to know that whether you kick against the pricks or whether you submit to his will and his call for your life, he's going to get the glory. Now, if you kick too hard, you're going to just hurt yourself and you still going to have to do what he told you to do anyway. Or he's going to get somebody else to do it. He's going to get somebody else to do it. And then you're going to miss out on what he had for you to do. Because you're going to see the reward of the pe people who are obedient to his will for their life. He's going to make sure you see it. So it's better for you to just submit and go with it. Um, yeah. I just think about that. And so he started dealing with me about when I get to church. I need... I, to be honest, I stay in my house a lot on Saturdays because I'm worshiping. I start worshiping and it's like, I don't stop worshiping when Sunday is over. No, it's like, I'm more cognizant. I'm more purposeful in my worship. I start praying for the service, like Friday night, Saturday, praying for service, praying for hearts to be changed. Um, just spending time worshiping him through music, sometimes worshiping through silence, like, um, and then when I get to church, I'm praying over the equipment, praying over the pews, um, praying over, just praying over the sanctuary. And it's like, do we take the time to seek him out? Because church is a hospital. And a lot of people are like, I don't go to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites there. But you're being a hypocrite because you go to the gym and it's a bunch of people who are overweight there. Like, what do you think people go to church? Like, and I understand there are several thousand million hundred example cases that we could look at where people in church did something wrong. Okay. First of all, we're humans. We're not perfect. We just have Jesus. We're imperfect people serving a perfect savior. Okay. That's one thing. Two, who are you to judge that? That's like you get mad because they got fruit in the doggone grocery store. It's not supposed to be any fruit here. Like, what did you think was going to be here? Um, What you mean you mad because they, this is where we, 
sinners are here. Sinners are here. Okay. Yes. Everybody's a sinner. Yes. It's just that we are making a conscious choice to choose Jesus and we're not going to get it right every single day, but we do the best we can. And if we mess up, we ask Jesus for forgiveness and we are forgiven and he puts it under his blood and he remembers our sin no more. I am sorry that you have church hurt, but when you got to take a step back and look at the situation as is. And I don't, I mean, I know it's some severe and like very justifiable reasons to have church hurt, but it's kind of like if you've been out of church for over 20 something years because of something that happened when you were a kid and I ain't talking about like molestation or whatever like that. I'm talking about some other stuff. You heard somebody talking about your mama or whatever, you know, like stuff like that. You got to let that go. You, you got to move forward. You got to move forward. Because you're letting what somebody else did hold you captive when you could be living free. And yeah, I get it. It's not right. And I'm not making excuses for it, but you're going to let somebody's wrong dictate to you how right you should be living. You got to think about stuff like that. People hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and stuff, thinking they're hurting the other person. You're not hurting them. They living their best good life. They doing whatever they want to do. You know, um, that's disobedience too, by the way, it's disobedience because God says, forgive (sighs) anyway. Um, yeah, David said, and like I said, I can't find it now. I now cannot find it, but David said, that um the men of the Levites were the ones that needed to um to carry it, not anybody else. And it's really bothered me because I found it right before I got on here and I thought I still had it. But anyway, I also thought it was interesting how they were to carry the Ark of Covenant because that goes back to um what Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. That's, it's like the Lord wanted them to carry the weight of the law. Like, I want you to really understand and grasp what I'm saying, because how can you carry the word? Oh, wow. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How can you carry the word around and go back to sin? (laughs) How can you, you know what it's like to carry something heavy on your shoulders or carry something heavy, period, for a long period of time? Because there were some times where they just had to stand in place and with the word of God. They just had to stand there and hold it. Do you know how, how do your arms feel when you put that thing down? They, they hurt, don't they? For a minute. I remember I held my God sister's son. That baby is, listen, I love him. I love him. Little chunky. Um, but he, he's solid as a rock. Okay. Solid as a rock. When I put that child down on the ground so he could go run off somewhere. I tell you, my arm was, listen. I had to drop my shoulder a little bit to just kind of let my arms because <laughs> the weight of him was so heavy. And I had him in my arms for, I know, at least a good 20 minutes. But that Tyler was heavy. He That's going to be a football star one day. I know he is. He's going to be a big old boy. But the weight of him was so heavy. My arm, I felt that for, a, uh, I'm not even exaggerating. It was at least two hours after I put him down. Some of you understand that. You have carried something heavy for a very long time. You know you still feel the weight of that thing hours later. 
Think about having this thing on your shoulder. The word of God is sitting on your shoulder. And you put it down, you can still feel the weight of it. How do you go into sin and you felt the weight of the word on your life? Like, and I mean, it just dawned on, like that was the Holy Spirit right that brought that forefront. Thank you, Lord. Because listen, it's like, if you got the word in your heart, how do you even go when, especially when you know what the Lord brought you through y'all in verse in second Corinthians chapter four, verse 10, it says always bearing about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. <laughs> we take up our cross to follow him. And that cross is a reminder of the fact that Jesus died on, on it for our sin and we carry that cross everywhere we go we may not have a physical cross but we carry the cross of jesus everywhere we go bearing about always bearing about in the body the dying of the lord jesus that the life also of jesus might be made manifest in our body uzzah was not supposed to touch the ark and he did he was in this he was out of line but the disobedience started when they put that ark on a the cart they were supposed to carry that ark they put it on a cart and that caused somebody to be out of disobedience or be out of obedience being disobedient and cause them to die god does not play with sin and just because you hadn't gotten caught in your sin doesn't mean you can keep doing it. The only reason why God hadn't killed us in our sin is because of Jesus. Because we have now, we operate in grace. We're not under the law. We're operating in grace at this point because Jesus died for us. Who this is, mm, this is heavy. This is so heavy. Um, We gonna have to go ahead and get out of here because that this is heavy. Y'all, I want y'all to have a great week. Y'all be productive, but just think about, just think about it. Like go back and read Numbers 6 and 7 and um, 2 Samuel chapter 6. Like read those things and just let it, just sit on it. Just sit on it because this is really heavy. God does not play about sin. If he said, don't touch something, don't touch it. If he says, don't say it, don't say it don't god doesn't need our help see i bet us was like no let me get this so it won't fall god is <laughs> god doesn't need our help he doesn't need us to defend him when people say he isn't real okay you know dust your dust shake the dust off your feet and keep on moving because the dust will testify against them and in, in the end he doesn't need us we listen he gave us the free god is sovereign and he is the god of the universe he does not need us he can get a rock to cry out for him. He can get the birds to sing out to him. He can get the waves to move and worship and adoration to him. He does not need us. He does not need our help. As we can see, a lot of times we move out of disobedience thinking we're going to help God. And in the end, we're in disobedience because he didn't call us to do that. Just like he didn't tell people to put that ark on the, on the cart. If he told them to put it on the cart, then when it fell, it would have been okay because he wouldn't have had to kill Uzzah. But truth of the matter is, if they would have followed the directions, I just, I have to, I'm going to have to go back and study this some more because I firmly believe 
they were just in a hurry trying to get the art to the city of David. And that's why they put it on a cart. Stop being in a hurry to get to where God has already promised you're going. God already told David, he was, Jesus, this is for me. God had already told David, that's where they were going. Why are you rushing? I hear you, Heavenly Father. I hear you. I hear you because the prayers I prayed this week, the things I said in my mind, I'm hearing you speak to me while I'm talking. Ooh, why are you rushing God's timing when he already told you he was going to take you there? That's the question we sit on this week. Why are you rushing God's timing when he already promised he was going to take you there? He already promised he was going to give you that. Why are you rushing him? All right, I'm I'm getting off of here. Um, y'all have a blessed week because I gotta go pray and repent. I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I gotta pray and repent. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so y'all have a great week. I pray your week is blessed, and I will talk to you soon. Bye.